Good evening, and welcome to the evening sermon stream here at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, before we get started, I do just have a couple quick announcements. First, uh, if you need any assistance during this time, uh, please feel free to reach out to the church. We'll do whatever we can to help you. Uh, if you're a member, you can uh, give a call to your deacon. Uh, otherwise, you can either message us on Facebook or send an email to us at info at fhbcathens.org. Uh, my other announcement, uh, starting this Wednesday, we're going to start having our prayer service in person here at the church. It'll be downstairs in the fellowship hall starting at 630. Uh, if you uh, don't feel comfortable attending, we'll still also be having a phone number where you can call in and still participate. Now, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, let's uh, have a quick word of prayer. Uh, hey, God, I just thank you for this day and this wonderful opportunity that we have just to be able to come together and just uh, dive into your word, God. Um, I pray that you would just be with Brother Mike as he brings the message, uh, that you would just uh, give him the words to say, and that you would open up our hearts for the message that you have for us tonight. Uh, I pray that if there are any requests that uh, people listening to this might have, God, that those would just be lifted up to you and that you would just be with us in a very special way, God. Uh, I pray that as churches across the state, across the country are starting to reopen, God, that those fellowships would just be blessed and that as one whole body of you, God, that we would just be able to worship and praise your name. Um, I, again, I just want to lift up each and every person that is watching this, God. Uh, we love you and we praise you. And it's all in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Glad to be with you again and studying God's Word. And we're in 1 Thessalonians, and it's a delight, uh, a joy to always be able to look at God's Word with you and to see what God has to say to us. And so we're going to once again go to the Lord in prayer and uh, ask Him just to open our eyes and our hearts to the truth and help us to see what He would have us to see and that we might adhere to what he wants us to do and, and uh, how he wants us to do it. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for all that you mean to us. Thank you for your wonderful nature, perfect nature. Thank you that you're in control, that you're sovereign. God, that you can handle everything, that, that you have a purpose and a goal for us as a church, and that is... Uh, to bring honor and glory to your name as we serve you and to uh, in doing so that we're to be the uh, become the church that you would have us to become uh, being all that you uh, expect from us and to uh, to just carry through with what you want us to do and we know that we can't do this on our own that it's got to be by your power by your grace and so we just ask that you do this that you accomplish it through us and help us to see all of this. Speak to our hearts and our souls as only you can. And we, we just want you to get the glory because that's what it's all about. You getting the glory for it all. And so God, uh, you deserve it. And we uh, pray that uh, you will uh, during this time as we look at your word and as we study it together. In Jesus' name, amen. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers. 
constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God and Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved of God, his choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. We're looking at an example church, a real church, an authentic church. You know, <coughs> Coca-Cola came out with the slogan, the real thing. And the reason that they did this is because they had made other drinks like cherry Coke and, and other flavors. And people were saying, hey, we want the real thing. And so they came out with that slogan, slogan the real thing. It means that it's not another cola. It is the real thing, the authentic Coke, the Coke that they began with. And to look at Coca-Cola drinks in unlabeled bottles, many look alike. But there's only one real Coca-Cola, the original, the one that is authentic. And there's only one real church, the original, the authentic church. The one who has been birthed into God's kingdom through the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who is living according to the Lord and His Word. The one who is an example wanting and desiring to glorify God. This is what we're looking at with the Thessalonians. They were the real deal, if you, if you might say. They were the ones who were authentic. They were living out the gospel. They were living out a changed life, a new life. And we, uh, we notice this with them. And, and the two things that we're going to be looking at, two characteristics uh, that we will be zooming in on uh, in this message and with this message is that they were a church that was uh, expectant, but also a church that was evangelistic. And so as we look at the um, Thessalonian church, we notice some characteristics about it that make it the real deal. And that is they were transformed. They were being transformed. They were being transformed by the renewing of their mind. Day by day, they had been transformed as far as being justified in the sense that uh, 
you know, they were born again. They had come to a new life. They had become a new creation in Christ. Old things had passed away. New, all things had become new. They were that elect church, that chosen church. God had called them out and they had answered that call. And then they were the example church. In other words, not only were they following Paul and Silas and Timothy, but they had become so real, so authentic, their life was changing. They were so excited about the Lord and serving Him, and, and their hope was so confident in Him. Their faith was uh, uh, you know, directed uh, to the source, and that was Jesus Christ, so much so that other people saw this. And they saw that with all the persecutions and, and with everything that was uh, going on in their lives and, and all that was happening, they were remaining true to the Lord. There had been a change. They had turned from idols, idol worship, to a true and living God. And people were noticing this and they were wanting to imitate them. They saw this in them. And so they, they were, uh, you know, an example. And... Uh, as we look at this, they were also an, uh, you know, an evangelistic church uh, and an expectant church. But to, to carry this out, to carry all of these out, they had to be empowered. And we talked about that last week. They were empowered by the Word of God and they were empowered by the Spirit of God. And that's what moved them forward in their Christian walk. That's what... Uh, they depended upon. It, it was God's grace. It was God's spirit. It was uh, his word that, that uh, helped them to become the, the real, the authentic church that people notice, the alive church, if you will. So now we come to the evangelistic part of it. The, they were a, an evangelistic church. It said, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also your faith towards God has gone forth so that you, we have no need to say anything. These believers were faithful in the proclamation of the gospel. This is so very important. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how is that going to get out? It's going to get out by believers who go out and share the good news. For the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, the divine saving truth, the alive truth, the alive truth that has, it was brought alive because it's God's word. It became alive by way of the Holy Spirit to these people that uh, uh, understood their need for Jesus Christ as their Savior. And uh, by faith receiving him, it sounded forth. They were sounding forth this, this gospel. And this word is used only here in the New Testament, and it means to blast forth. It means to sound forth very intensely. These believers were both receivers and transmitters of the word of God, of this new life. They received the word, and with receiving the word, the word, uh, the Holy Spirit was allowed to work in their lives to change their hearts and their lives, and they became new creations in Christ. And they also not only received the word, but they transmitted the word. They were not 
sounding forth, uh, blowing their own trumpet. That's not what it means. They were sharing what happened to them. A lot of times, if we're not careful, it can, it can become all about me, what I did, what happened to me. Sometimes even with our testimony, and I know that we mean well, we go into a great elaborate testimony, and, and, and we're bad about having people testify with this. And, and I remember, and, and I recall at one church where we used to take our, our young people to uh, this youth conference, and these speakers would talk about how they were into drugs, they were into sex, they were in all of this, and how God changed them dramatically. And that's good, that's great. But you know what these young people told me about this? They said, you know, this is wonderful but that they're saved and all, but they speak little about what has happened to them since then. It, it seems like they were deifying, they were edifying, they were glorifying their previous life because that's primarily what they talked about. And they, they went into great detail about that. And it's, it's not about us, and we need to be careful about that. We need to be careful not to linger too much on that, and we need to, to give it a well balance in saying, hey, this kind of life is what God pulled me out from and saved me from, and, and now this is what has happened to me since then. So often, though, we, we give very little uh, credence, we give very little time, we give very little space to what, is happening in our lives today so but they didn't they transmitted their life people saw what was happening in their life they were sounding forth they were blowing the trumpet of God how they had turned it says from idols to serve a true and living God you know the trumpet was used in various ways in Jewish times it was used in Jewish service it was blown to draw people for the assembly and to worship God. And that's so very important. We need to blow that trumpet. We need to invite people. We need to uh, bring people to hear the Word of God being taught. And, and especially in the worship time to hear the Word of God being preached. Because that is a celebration. That should be a celebration. Uh, we're, we're talking about the Word of God and what, what God's Word means to us. And, and, and what it can do for us. And, and what it's done for us. And, and so... Uh, uh, you know, it's, it was blown, blown to draw people together for the assembly. But it was also used as a jubilee trumpet. And that means that when one was cleared of the death penalty or freed from slavery, they blew this trumpet. And they had become a trumpet blast, it says, these people had. And I think this last part of it really uh, focuses in on these Thessalonians. They were declaring their word, uh, their, God's word to a lost world. They were blowing that trumpet. They were declaring that by God's grace they had been freed from slavery to sin and, and death and Satan to, uh, to freedom in Christ. And so they were free from the domain of Satan and its death penalty, serving a true and living God. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about their church. It wasn't about... Their programs, although those are fine, it was about what God had done. They had turned to God from idols. And the word turn there 
is used in the New Testament to indicate the fact that uh, in, in the sinner's conversion, there has been a turning from something and a turning to something. And with them, it was a turning from world and sin to God. It, it was a turning from the allegiance that the world once had upon them and Satan once had upon them to an idols to a new allegiance, God. And then it says to serve a living God. And so uh, serve, the word there is used uh, as a bond slave. And, and this was the, one of the most demanding forms, or if not the most demanding forms of servitude. Serving involved total ownership, absolute loyalty, and total dependence. We today need to, as a church, sound the trumpet. And we need to, as individuals, sound that trumpet. For the call, of course, for worship, celebration in God, for what He's doing in lives, and for people to hear the Word. But also, we need to blow that trumpet of good news that involves us being bought out of the slave market of sin. Jesus' suffering and death for our sins to free us from the penalty of sin. And for God's grace in that freedom to bring us into God's kingdom. Commit ourselves to a new allegiance. And that allegiance is God and His rule. You know, it is responsibility and privilege of every church to share the message of salvation. It is a responsibility. It's not just, you know, okay, uh, it's a privilege and, and if you want to, you can. No, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege, sure, but it's a responsibility. When surveys tell us that 70 to 80% of the church growth comes as a result of friendship, of friends and their relationships, telling them about the good news then we should take that to heart and practice it. Visitation is great. Evangelism, other message of outreach are wonderful. They help. But the key to bringing the harvest in is that personal contact where people see a change in you. People see God working in you. You build that relationship and they see that just like with these Thessalonians and believers and, and they want it. The Holy Spirit is able to work through them because they see a consistency in your life, an excitement in your life, a change in your life. Just because these Thessalonians were considered God's elect, it didn't exempt them from personal involvement. Election always involves responsibility. Salvation is not the work of man, but of God. But man is used by God to call out his elect. So, as someone once said, the same God who ordained the end, that is the salvation of the lost, also ordains the means of the end, the preaching sharing of the gospel. We today are losing ground in reaching people for Christ. We're not gaining the sharing is not what it should be. The Thessalonian believers were enthusiastic about sharing what had happened to them because it was real. 
It had changed their life. And people saw the authenticity, the realness in them. It is a church that is enthusiastic about sharing Christ that draws people to the Lord because they see a realness, a genuineness in that church. But may I ask, is the church really that enthusiastic about sharing today? And then you may ask, you may take a step further and you may say, if not, then why? Is it because that we're not serving? We're not truly serving the, the living and true God? For God to be living and true to us requires a vibrant walk. A walk that involves genuineness. A walk that involves realness. A vibrant relationship that comes from walking with a living God. A true, the, the true God. Is that happening? Is it all about me or is it all about God in this kingdom? We need to ask that. If we're not serving the living true God, we will only be inward focused. But we will, and we will not have a concern for the lost the way that we should. And we will not be living with that hope of seeing Christ soon, which we're going to be looking at next. You see, the Thessalonians served the living and true God. Therefore, they lived as though Christ could come at any time. And look forward to His coming. Do we look forward to His coming? Well, let's shift back a little bit. The first part of that statement. Are we living as though He could come any time? Because if we're not living as though He could come any time, then we're not going to be looking forward to His coming. So they were an expectant church. Verse 10. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead... That is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. One writer said Thessalonians' work of faith made them an elect church. For they turned to God from their idols and trusted Jesus Christ. Their labor of love made them an example church and an evangelistic church as they lived the word out and shared the gospel. And their patience of hope made them an expectant church looking for their Savior's return. They had trusted Jesus as their Savior. They looked forward to His return, where they knew that there would be deliverance from the wrath to come. Before coming to Christ as Savior, they had no hope, and the wrath of God was upon them. When they came to know Christ as Savior and Lord, they had a living hope. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about that. And that living hope made them have that desire that, to see the Lord and to be with Him. They were looking forward to seeing Him and for Him to return. Looking forward appears only here in the New Testament implies a readiness to welcome the person we are waiting for. Now, with that, may I say there's two kinds of waiting. First of all, there is an anxious waiting or maybe a waiting with dread even. Uh, you know, this may be uh, involved when you're waiting on your child to come home and you don't know what has happened and they, they're out and maybe they're late, really late. Or maybe there's bad news coming and you're dreading it. 
Second, and this is the kind of waiting that they had and we're to have. uh, It's a kind of waiting that's patiently waiting for someone to arrive. The word involves a trust and and patience. It's kind of like around Christmas time. When you're a little child, you're, you know, you're just anxiously awaiting Santa to come, if you will. And so what do you do? You can't even go to bed. You're so excited, but your parents make you go to bed. You're waiting till that morning comes where you can run down to the Christmas tree and down the steps, and there you see the gifts under the tree. Now, patiently waiting, please don't take it the wrong way, is not doing nothing. It's not idleness. It is being active in God's business. The Thessalonian believers had a fear that those who had died would would miss the the blessing of his return. And they were concerned about this. We'll read and we'll see about that in chapter 4 as Paul talks about that when the Lord is coming. Now, when I talk about his return, I'm not talking about his second coming. In the sense where he comes to earth. There's two involvements here with his coming. There is a rapture which will occur next. And then uh, in the sense of church uh, time period here. And there is later there will be the second coming where he comes back to earth to rule and reign on earth for a thousand years. And the church will come back with him at that time because we will with the first appearing, meet him in the air, which Paul talks about over in chapter 4 of the First Thessalonians, and we'll be caught up in the air. And this is what they were concerned about. Well, when the Lord comes back, what's going to happen to those that have already died? I mean, will they miss him, you know, and all of this? And so they were concerned. They were anxiously waiting. And so, uh, or they were waiting and patiently waiting, but they didn't know everything that was involved there. And uh, the Thessalonians uh, had somewhat fear for those who had died that they would miss this blessed return. And when I, you know, uh, and this was when the Lord comes back for the church. So Paul lets them know that uh, they need to have the kind of faith that saved them to believe that the Lord had, would keep his promise concerning salvation and he talks about it over in first uh, thessalonians chapter 4 like i said we'll talk about it later on where he says that they will be changed that the dead in christ will rise first those who have died their their bodies will rise and and they will be united with their spirit in the air and they'll have a glorified body and then we who are still here on earth when the lord comes back uh, they we call it the rapture the catching away then we will be changed instantaneously as we're caught up to be with the Lord in the air. And so they're not going to miss out on it. But then the other aspect of it, we'll be with the Lord uh, while, uh, you know, the tribulation and terrible things are are going on here on uh, this earth as a purifying, as, as, as a getting ready for His return to earth. And Israel will... Uh, become a uh, believing Israel at that time as they uh, wait upon the Lord and go through this, uh, this cleansing period. 
and then we will see that uh, the Lord will come back, and, and as He comes back, then those who are believers will uh, be with Him and rule and reign with Him during the, uh, the thousand years, and, and uh, those who are lost will uh, wait judgment, uh, which will occur at the end of the a thousand years. So, and this is wrath to come. So we will be delivered from that because of our belief in Jesus Christ, all who have believed. And um, we're going to get into a lot of that later on in this study. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we won't have to go through that wrath, that final judgment, that, that uh, uh, period where we will be judged for our sins and be cast uh, into the lake of fire forever. That will uh, only be for those who are without Christ. So they knew this, and they were going through a lot of persecution, a lot of trials, a lot of difficulties here on earth, and, and they, were, you know, uh, they were anxiously awaiting. They were telling and living the, the truth and others were seeing this and they were a genuine church but they were also with being a genuine church loving the Lord so much that they wanted to be with him they knew that they would be out from all of this and so uh, you know as we see this we see that um, with this expectant church there are signs for us to let us know about his second coming where he comes to earth at the end of the tribulation period. And all of those signs, as far as I know, have come about. So there's nothing really concerning, any signs concerning the, uh, the rapture, the catching away of the church before that time. And so it could happen at any time. And that's why we need to to live that way as believers. We need to believe that and trust that and, and be excited about Him coming back to deliver us from all of this. But at the same time, we don't just sit around being idle, looking up in the sky for His return. We are busy about His work, trusting in Him, realizing that He's coming. You say, well, they, you know, this was... 2,000 years ago, how, what about now, you know? Uh, he hasn't come. They were looking for him then, and, and uh, the church is still around. Yes, it is. When that last believer is brought into God's kingdom during the church age, then the trumpet will blow, and we will disappear. And only God knows that. We, there's a lot of things going on that we don't know. But there's an expectancy and should be an expectancy of his return. And we should live a life that way, knowing that he could come at any moment. When my wife uh, is with her mother, a lot of times she flies down to Florida to see her. And, and there's been numerous times when she's flown down there and coming back, I go to the airport to meet her and I have to sit around waiting because of the weather. And because of maybe something else that, uh, you know, causes uh, me to have to wait. And uh, what I am to do, though, is to 
I usually read, carry out my business, go about what I'm doing. Still expecting her to arrive. And she has. And so what I'm to do is I'm to be ready to meet her. And this is what the scripture is saying. Are we faithfully waiting on Jesus' return? We don't know all that's going on. God is preparing us for that time. And we should allow him to prepare us the way that he so desires for that time. And we should be expecting upon that. And we should be faithful to him during that time. Knowing that he's in charge of time. Knowing that he's in charge of things and that a lot of things are going on that you just don't know about. Just like when I waited on Debbie, there's a lot of things up in the air that I did not know what was going on with the weather, the, the airplane or whatever. So we're just to be faithful and trust the Lord. Are we enthusiastically waiting for his return? Not idly, going about his business, being faithful to him. If we are going to be a genuine church, then we should be. That should be a desire to see the Lord, to meet him in the air. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for your love and your grace and God for your promise. And Lord, uh, just as the uh, Thessalonians were looking forward to that time when you were coming back for them, uh, we should also, we should be expecting that. And, and Lord, uh, we thank you that, that it's because of Jesus Christ that we won't have to face the eventual wrath to come that uh, we will be caught up in the air one day to be with the Lord and with other believers and then return with Him to earth and then be with Him for eternity and not have to go through and not have to worry about being judged for our sins and our actions. Because Jesus has taken care of that and we've accepted that and we've accepted Him and we've uh, received the forgiveness of our sins, and, and we've been brought into His family if we're a child of His. Lord, that's good news. That's Your wonderful grace. And may we see that, realize that, expect Your, your coming, live that way, and part of living that way is sharing that good news with others so that they can hear it. Because we don't know when that last one will be saved before the church is called out of this world. So Lord, help us to do all that we need to do. And may we do all that we need to do by the grace, by your grace, to be all that we need to be. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that great sermon, Brother Mike. Uh, before I let you go, I do just want to remind you that we will start to have our prayer service in person this Wednesday downstairs in our fellowship hall starting at 6.30. Again, if you aren't able to make it, we will still have our call-in number so you can still participate even if you can't be here in person. Uh, until then, I hope you all have a great week.